I've been tired lately and not entirely certain why. But then I sat back to consider everything that's been going on in our recent news, and I discovered the likely reasons for my malaise just for the record. I've been really busy of late. It's why I haven't made a recording here in a while. Sorry for the absence. I know friends are supposed to stay in touch. But there's so much I've had to grapple with. I've been busy watching U.S. troops pull out of Afghanistan and leaving behind thousands of friends who for 20 years fought with our forces. I understand the reasons for leaving and agree that we no longer have an objective there, if we ever did. You've heard the comparison before. Our evacuation was eerily reminiscent of departure from Vietnam. We left behind untold numbers of Vietnamese who aided the U.S. effort and pledged their loyalty, even as they watched us fly off in that last helicopter with refugees hanging on to dangling lines from it in order to save their lives. The scene was humiliating then and even more so now. Both occasions leave an indelible stain upon our national character, shared by the entire political spectrum. A Republican president engaged our country in the Afghan war. A Republican president made the agreement to get out and a Democrat president oversaw our departure. We can't get more bipartisan than that these days. Things haven't been much better in my former worksite country of Nicaragua. Last week, 15 more NGOs, that's non-governmental organizations, were closed down, bringing the total to 45 in the past month and 55 since 2018. It's a further blow to the country and especially the rural population, which relies upon assistance from such organizations in the form of counsel, education, and financial resources. The Ortega regime, it cannot be referred to as an administration any longer, there is nothing democratic about it, has done an exceptional job in emulating the old Somoza regime against which Mr. Ortega so righteously fought decades ago. I've been spending lots of time watching the fires here at home. The ones out in California have been dangerously close to our son, Ian, and his fiance. He lives right on the coast and isn't likely to face danger to his home. His fiance is further inland and very close to walls of flames. The cataclysm that is California is a literally breathtaking example of what we can expect in our near future as a result of accelerating climate change. The fires are but a preview of what we might face in a future where we finally pay the price for ignoring science in favor of instant gratification. The fires in the Boundary Waters area have not been as large or dominant as those out west. What makes them frightening is their proximity and the fact that they are burning lands known to me. Having a personal connection to any disaster always makes it seem worse. 
I've had to spend large chunks of my days worrying about the lake areas I've paddled, the forests under whose canopies I've watched the night skies, and the expanses of burned forest that hundreds of eager campers will not see. After the past two days of significant rainfall, the fires now seem to be under control, for now. The earthquake in Haiti a few weeks ago took me back immediately to the devastating quake there in January 2010. That one killed more than 150,000 human beings, including an exceptional young man by the name of Ben Larson. The recent one struck far less populated areas, but still has affected a half million children. The quake follows Hurricane Laura, which savaged the island nation a year ago, and the assassination of Haiti's president in July. The country was the last in the Western Hemisphere to receive COVID vaccine and will now be severely hampered in its administration. Two days after the quake, a tropical storm rained down more misery and destruction. Is Haiti a place hell on earth? Back home, Republican political leaders still maintain that the 2020 election was stolen from Donald Trump. Republican congressional leadership has largely refused to participate in a bipartisan investigation into the insurrection of January 6th and has threatened retaliation against any companies that provide data to the inquiry, even if appropriately subpoenaed to do so. This nation can't seem to agree on much of anything, even after an attempted coup. Is anyone else losing sleep over this? Then it was reported this week that Social Security could run short of money even earlier than recent forecasts as a result of COVID impacts. That's not very good news for the 65 million citizens who currently receive benefits. A fix to the funding problem depends on members of Congress agreeing on a solution. Given their respective opinions from the election and the insurrection, I can be excused for harboring little hope of a Social Security cure. One thing is clear. If the U.S. government reneges on its Social Security promises, on the financial contributions made by my employers and me over the years of my employment, then there is no longer a basis for allegiance to an entity that has not kept its promises. A habit of broken vows does not cultivate trustworthiness or citizenship. In order to find some degree of escape from all this exhausting work, I've tried to create more time for reading, something beyond the three minutes at night before I fall asleep. Perhaps unadvisedly, I read On Pluto, Inside the Mind of Alzheimer's by Greg O'Brien. It helped me to learn more about this terrible disease, more than I wanted to know, more than I can bear to know. I should have read Agatha Christie. I'm going to try to be more consistent with my entries here, but I've been really busy of late. 